So this morning is uh, the third uh, service that we're speaking about, uh, laying hold of God's plan for successful living. And we've bounced around a little bit, uh, if you like, uh, but uh, the main, the key scripture that God has given me uh, for the beginning of this year, and I guess that's then for us to hold it for the rest of the year, this is what God's saying is very important amongst all the other things that are very important. Uh, found here in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7 and verse 8. God speaking, and he says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And uh, just by way of recapping, we said that we could sort of skim over this passage and say, oh, that's Old Testament, and you know, it speaks about the unrighteous and about the wicked, and I've already been made righteous, I'm not wicked, and so it doesn't apply to me. But you know, have you know that uh, once, we are, once we have committed our life to Jesus Christ, we have indeed been made righteous, and uh, all Christians have, but many still operate according to the old ways and according to the old thoughts. And so therefore God wants us to renew our mind. God wants us to change our ways. And that's what God's speaking to us about here at the beginning of the year. When we talk about our thoughts, we talk about our imaginations, our reasoning. Uh, when something happens, the way that we reason through that, God says, don't reason according to the old way. Reason according to my way. Don't reason according to the old thoughts. That's why we take God's word and we impress it upon our mind and upon our heart through meditation, through the confession of God's word and begin to change the way that we think. The process is called renewing of the mind. And it's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Um, we've already been there and we'll no doubt get back to it again because that is a key scripture. God says, don't operate according to the ways of this world. He says, do not, do not uh, 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 let the culture around you impress itself upon you. He says, but you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? To, to new thoughts, to God's thoughts, so that we're able to lay down our ways and our thoughts and operate according to God's thoughts. Uh, imaginations, reasonings, plans, attitudes. Um, and then it speaks about our ways. We talked about our ways is how we operate. When something happens, we deal with things in a certain way. Uh, everybody deals with things in their own way, but God does not want us to deal things in our own way. God wants us to deal with things in His way. You know, sometimes I get among some of my minister friends and a couple of them, um, uh, sometimes there's a bit of banter that goes on and uh, sometimes there's a bit of, you know, a bit of, fun stuff going on, and then one guy might say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to take the high road here. I'm not going to, like, get down and start to scrap, and, you know, and every, I'm going to take the high road. And we're used to that term, meaning we, we take the high road. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded of Nehemiah uh, in the book of Nehemiah when he was up on the wall building the wall. Nehemiah had a vision from God. He, he, he was involved in the building of the kingdom, and there was Sam Ballot and Tobiah down, and they forever tried to get him off the wall, but Tobiah said, no, he says, I'm doing a great work, I'm not coming off the wall. And so God wants us to get up on the wall and not come down for anything or for anybody. And, uh, and what does that mean? We'll operate according to high thoughts, operating according to love according to peace, according to the good things that God is teaching us rather than according to the old ways. <clears throat> Speaks about habits, path, choices. Um, we made a kind of a simple equation. We said that thoughts lead to words. Words lead to beliefs. How do you know that if you say something long enough, you end up believing it? Even if you don't believe it at the front end of it, if you say it long, long enough, you end up believing it. So words lead to beliefs. Beliefs lead to actions, and our words and our actions lead to certain results. I don't know about you, but I want good results in my life. And I want to get to the end of the year, be able to look back and say, wow, you know, praise God. Uh, uh, we, had, we did things God's way, and we got God's results, rather than, you know, it's, uh, who was the guy that sang that song saying, I did it my way, <laughs> and end up in disaster. Um, so here in uh, Proverbs chapter 22 is where I want to pick up this morning. And uh, I want to talk to you, and I believe that God wants to speak to us about our friends, about our associations, uh, the people that we hang out with. Um, 
and that's kind of the, 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 the main theme of uh, this morning's message. That's how it's kind of turned out. Sometimes I've got no specific plans in regards to where to go, but when I open the Bible and open the book and God says, all right, let's go in this direction and that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's just pray right now and ask God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we once again we approach the reading and the proclamation of your word and we thank you, Father, that your word is living, it's powerful, it is sharper than a two-edged sword and Lord, we want to just be the people that are embracing your thoughts and your ways and abandon our own ways and our own thoughts. For Lord, we're only assured of good results if we do things your way. And so we're asking this morning that you speak to us, Lord, that you bring clarity into those issues that we're discussing, that there will be revelation, that Lord, as general things are discussed, that by your Spirit you make things specific to each and every one of our situation, that we know just what you're talking to us about, in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 22, verse 24 through to verse 25. It says, Do not make friends with the hot-tempered. Do not associate with those who are easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, we're talking about ways and we're talking about thoughts. By the way, how many of you have kind of been made aware of your thoughts? It's like, wow, these things go on all the time. And, uh, and how many of you have made an effort to change your thoughts? Uh, and you know, you, don't just, you can't just change your thoughts by just wanting to change your thoughts. You've got to take other thoughts to replace the existing thoughts. That's why when we reach into God's Word by way of the preaching of the Word that is taking place, or by reading the Word, or by confessing and meditating in the Scriptures, Relaying a hold of God's thoughts and replacing uh, our, them, you know, like laying down our thoughts and laying a hold of God's thoughts. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, praise God, it says here, um, it says uh, that you may learn their ways, or lest, in one translation says, lest you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You know, how, many of you, how many of you know that uh, we're all ensnared by our thoughts? and by our ways. Like right now, immediately, you can't get away from your thoughts and you can't get away from your ways. Let me just use myself as an example and I, I'm sure we could use many of you. Uh, if you say, if we are in thought in, ensnared in thoughts of peace, that is really good to be ensnared in thoughts of peace. It's really good to be ensnared in thoughts of, or, or in ways of peace, that you know that this is the way we're going to deal with it. If, if this and this and this is going to happen, we're going to deal with it in a peaceful sort of a way. We're going to deal with it in a, in a kind of a tranquil sort of a way. We'll somehow find God's solutions rather than let the flesh have its way. It's good to be ensnared in these types of thoughts and, and in these types of ways. And so, you know, but if somebody's ensnared in other thoughts, bad thoughts, bad ways, uh, we can get away from that, but it's a process. It's a process. It's like making a decision. I'm just going to decide that I'm not going to stay here anymore. And if it means that I need to just double up on the Word, and if it means I need to get myself into, into Bible school to have more of God's Word wash over me and to wash my mind and to wash away the old thoughts and the old ways, and that's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, <clears throat> so we're all ensnared uh, currently by our thoughts and our ways. You know, what's interesting is that throughout Scripture, everybody say throughout Scripture, we're now not picking up a couple of isolated verses throughout Scripture. God tells us not to associate with certain types of people, but instead to seek the company of other types of people. Sometimes we see it directly as in this verse here, and in other times we see it by way of example, when uh, you know certain people hang out with certain people and got bad results. And the reason why they got bad results is because they hang out with certain, with the wrong characters, people with the wrong attitude, people with the wrong mindset, people with the wrong kind of, uh, you know, I mean, how is it that every parent wants, wants certain kids to hang out with their kids and not other ones because with the other ones, we don't, we don't want them to influence our kids. How, how you know what I'm talking about? Well, the same is true for us as adults. The same is true for all of us. And God sees it the same way. God says certain characters don't hang out, hang out with them because it's going to spell trouble. You see, our associations with people largely determine who we are and who we will become. Who are your friends right now? Are they good people to hang out with? 
who are, who are your associations? Who are, who are your associates? Because in many respects, they will determine, uh, uh, you know, let me start again. It says, to a major extent, our friends shape our thoughts and our ways. Our friends, you see there is a, a saying, we say, birds have a feather flock together. And I don't think that's all that far wrong. I think there's actually a, a quite a truth in that. Birds of certain types of people flow together uh, and, 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 and join together and, and, and so forth. And then they, they even more rub off on each other. I'm just thinking, it's like this is a bit of a drastic example, but I'm just thinking about... Uh, I was just thinking about skinheads. I don't know why, but I was thinking about skinheads. Uh, just right in this point of the, of the message here, and you know, the boot boys, you know, the guys with their with the head shaven, typically uh, the white supremacy uh, guys, you know, the racists, uh, uh, the ones that, that got the shaved head, typically a bit of a beard, boots, uh, and, and you know, they walk around in a certain type of way, and they all cling together because they're all of a mind. They're all of one heart. Uh, uh, they think that they're better than other races. They come from a certain race. It's the whole supremacy thing and everything. You know, birds have a... And then they rub off on each other. And I knew a couple of them uh, way back. And a couple of them were good guys, you know, like, but just they caught up with the wrong crowd. And, and there was somehow something that attracted them into that. And we could, we could now talk about gangs. We could talk about... Uh, we could talk about all sorts of types of people that we could hang out with or choose not to hang out with. And then it gets a bit more subtle uh, where, you know, like, say, well, you know, so-and-so is my friend and, you know, he doesn't, he's not a skinhead and he's, he, he's not a gang member and, you know, I, I enjoy hanging out, but, but are they really helping you to go where you want to go while they're holding you back? This is really the question. What are their ways and what are their thoughts because they will inevitably rub off on us? And you know, I am aware that in terms of reaching out to lost people, that we need to go absolutely cross-cultural and cross-economic, uh, socio-economic areas and just not bother with anything and just reach out to people. But you know, there needs to be an understanding that if I'm reaching out to somebody, that I remain the spiritually dominant influence in this relationship. Because if I don't, I will learn their ways. It'll suddenly rub off on me. It'll be by osmosis. The more time I spend with with people of a, of a, of a, of a certain, uh, you know, like for example in this instance here with, with angry people and with their ways, they will speak in a certain way, they're easily angered. Uh, God says, don't hang out with them. He says, lest you learn their ways and you'll be ensnared. <clears throat> One translation says, don't make friends with. That is not to say that we can't reach out to. Uh, but, you know, we reach out to there as a purpose, but we, we friends, we kick back, we relax. I'm not relaxing around certain people. I'm alert. Because the Bible tells me to guard my heart with all diligence. Some people have got, uh, uh, this. Everybody, everybody has got a, an atmosphere around them. You know, we, we might call it an, an, an aura. Uh, it's an invisible thing. Everybody walks in their own bubble. All right? I'm in my own bubble. You're in your own bubble. And, you know, I like getting into some people's bubble. Uh, in fact, I was just spending time with my family there, and I'm just always struck with my brother-in-law. Uh, he's just a good guy to hang out with. He's just got a free spirit. He's a peaceful man. He's a man of peace. He's just awesome. I like getting into his bubble. He's a good guy. Uh, and, you know, but there'll be other people, like I get sort of close to their bubble and I kind of, ooh, you know, I just, ooh. People with a critical spirit, it's like, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to go into this bubble. I don't want to relax in their bubble. Because by osmosis, and for those of you that have been to school, you know what osmosis means. There is a flowing over from their bubble into my bubble, and then I walk away and say, why am I so miserable today? I'm having bad thoughts, I'm, I'm thinking bad about people. Yeah, because I've just had a gossip session with somebody. Stepped into their, into their bubble, they dumped on me, and now I'm, I'm left with all, the, all their bad thoughts and all their bad ways and everything. How do you know what I'm talking about? This is not hugely theological here this morning, but it's truly practical. Choose your friends wisely. Keep no company with says one translation, same verse, just different ways of, of doing things. In the message translation, it says, don't hang out with angry people 
Don't keep company with hotheads. <laughs> I remember when I grew up, and you know, there's seven kids in the family. Um, we have a big family, a Catholic family, you might imagine. And um, seven kids, and I remember one time, I can't remember how old I was, but I guess I would have been anywhere around, I don't know, 10, 12 years or something. And you know, there is uh, six siblings, uh, two sisters, four brothers, and I, I, I got hungry. So I went to the kitchen, I made myself something to eat. I do not remember what I made myself, but I remember I was like all like looking forward, like I just carried my, my, my plate from the kitchen to the table, and suddenly there was a gravitation of others coming around, and in particular, my sister was very forward, and she started to, to dig in and started to hack into my, into my food. I tell you, I lost the plot right there. I just gave her, I was so angry, I was like so angry, and I showed my fangs and my teeth, and I just, uh, I mean, I didn't hit her, but I certainly felt like hitting her, and, uh, you know, our parents told us not to hit, so we didn't hit, but, you know, we showed our fangs every now and then, and, and you know what, I came away from that situation, I sometimes thought about it afterwards, and I thought, my goodness, it's like, what's in me that caused me to respond in this way? And you know what happened was, I considered that to be absolutely mine. That was my meal. This is my territory. I've claimed this because after all, I've made it. I put it here. I'm sitting down. And now I'm eating a quarter of a meal of what I've prepared rather than the whole meal. And it so hacked me off. And uh, do you know what? Angry people claim too much for themselves. And you step into the area of what they've got mapped out for themselves and they will show their fangs. God says, don't spend time with people that are easily angered lest you learn their ways and you will be ensnared. So again, uh, don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. How many of you have been infected by other people? I know I have. In fact, you come away from some people, it's, what, I got that jolly virus on me now. And I don't mean a virus of sickness or disease or some sort of a stomach bug. I'm talking about a critical spirit that's now got into my life and trying to get on and in me. Actually, everything is pretty much contagious. Every attitude. I'm drawn to some people. I just want to spend time around them. As I said, my brother-in-law, I just like spending time with the guys. Just, there's just some, I like getting into this bubble. And, and his bubble is contagious. It flows off on me, and I, I want some of that. I remember, I told this story before, but when Lester Sumrall, who of course since has been and gone and gone to heaven, one of the greatest ministers of last century, church planting and just doing great work in, in the nations around the world, television, radio, did massive work in the Philippines, planted a church there and so forth. Lester Sumrall had three boys. Um, and uh, he was a friend uh, of uh, another minister by the name of Norval Hayes. How many of you have heard of Norval Hayes? Some of you have. Uh, we talk about the old Black Word of Faith crowd. Norval fit into that group. He was, Norval was actually a businessman, but he was uh, uh, preaching and in, in amongst doing business uh, activities and so forth, and just a wonderful man. And uh, Norval used to go around to Lester Summer's house and visit him, and just each time, practically, when he was getting ready to go, uh, Dr. Samuel would say, oh, Norval, well, just pray for my boys. Just pray for my boys and lay hands on them. And uh, that it happened again and again and again. And of course, uh, Norval tells the story. Um, or was it Lester? Uh, one of them told the story. And then in the end, Norval said, why do you always ask me to, to lay you, you, my hands on, on, on your boys? And Lester said, look, he says, I like the spirit that's in you, and I want your spirit to be in my boys as well. Do you know there's something that happens by association that something flows into our lives with the types of people that we associate with? And furthermore, when there is a laying on of hands, there is an impartation. And uh, sometimes people say, don't lay hands on me, I don't want to catch nothing. Well, I'm actually not too bothered when sometimes, you know, typically when people lay hands on, on me, they mean well, and, you know, I just get ready to receive. But for certain people, I sort of tense up a little bit, uh, I receive nothing because I don't want anything that they've got in their lives. I remember Kenneth Hagen talking about, uh, you know, that out of his Bible school, there's just multiple hundreds and hundreds of ministers that were sent forth. 
and of course there's various other Bible schools around the world, and you know, preaching a good word, and you know, Brother Hagen once said, he says, look, he says, there's nothing wrong with what they're preaching, they're preaching a good word. What's concerning me is the spirit that they are releasing. What's in their bubble? What's in their heart is in their bubble. And you get close to their bubble and they're pouring that out and on and uh, that's what he was concerned about. So God's warning us by telling us that what's in our friends will get on us. A Russian proverb says, tell me who your friends are and I will tell you who you are. I tell you, if your friends are people, say, with a critical spirit, which is, or people that are unteachable, you just can't teach them anything, they already know everything, you might say, well, I'm not like that. You will be. Just wait long enough. You will be. It's an absolute principle that what's in their life will flow into your life. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Someone might say, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Well, if you relax around them and, if, and, and everything, it'll absolutely happen. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Sometimes we think we can outsmart the system, but you can't outsmart the system. As I say, you just, you know, certain people, I remember Vanessa and I, when we were, uh, you know, in our early days of Christianity, we were on this, in this one church and there was one particular person there that was just, uh, just always harping on about one thing or other and always whinging and always whining. And I said to Vanessa, Let's create a little distance here. I don't want this. I don't want that anywhere near me. I don't want it in my life. I don't want to sound like that. I don't now, but I might in a couple of weeks' time, in a couple of months' time, I just don't want that. You might say, well, they were a believer. They were a, can't you have fellowship with a believer? Yeah, but the question is, what are we fellowshipping around? Are we fellowshipping around Christ? Are we fellowshipping around the goodness of God? Are we, are we fellowshipping around, you know, positive reports? Why are we fellowshipping around gossip? Sometimes people say, come around, let's have a prayer meeting together. But you know, some prayer meetings are not prayer meetings at all. They're gossip sessions. That's all they are. There's very little praying that goes on. And you know, the Bible says that the talebearers, gossips, it's like, you know, the things that they share is like, like a tasty trifle that goes on the inside of you. It's like eating something. Um, and then it's sour in your own spirit. Uh, and so we need to watch. We need to guard our heart carefully. Um, so we can look at our friends and with a reasonable degree of certainty determine where we're going to be at the end of the year. I don't mean physically, uh, necessarily. But you know, in terms of our attitude, when we get to the end of the year, are we going to be happy people? Are we going to run with the happy crowd, with the positive crowd? Are we just excited about what God is doing? Or have we learned the ways of others to pick holes at everything, to find fault with everything, that are somehow you get into their bubble and suddenly there's like a, you know, just a flow-over effect that is not entirely happy. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. Don't think that you can handle it. So say there is consistently, uh, there are certain people uh, that, uh, you know, Vanessa and I, we've got some distant rallies, relative. Uh, sometimes they look just a little limited interaction, just limited. Just, uh, I just don't want that. I just, I can handle it in small doses. Um, and let's create a bit of distance. You know, let's love them at a distance. And in fact, of late, with one, I says, I want no none. I want no interaction. You would say, what, well, you have to love them. I do. I do. But from a distance. From a distance. It'd be entirely different if that person would say, look, I'm having some problems. And I need somebody to help me. It just changes the entire picture. But when somebody's unteachable and somebody's already got their cup filled, I mean, what can you put into somebody's cup when their cup's already full? I've watched that movie. Uh, where the, that's a line out of a movie. I just realized, uh, what can you put into somebody's cup when the cup is already full? 
So, you know, if somebody's asking for a mentoring type relationship, it's, it's entirely different. But when somebody is already wants to be the dominant influence, and, 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 and I want to be the dominant influence, <laughs> it's just going to be a problem. Because I don't want any interaction with that person at all. I want nothing that they have in their life, and actually they want nothing from me. Uh, they're not open, they're not teachable. I mean, I've worked with God for some years, and I've, I've learned a few things. I think I might be able to impart a couple of things, but can't impart nothing to somebody that wants nothing. So praise God, is this helping anybody? So why does bad company corrupt good morals? Because we pick up their thoughts and the ways of the people that we hang out with. And I think back now when I grew up, a lot of my mates were just uh, like in our teenage years and sort of late teens and early 20s, uh, um, just bad company. I was bad company. <laughs> it's just, you know, just getting up to riotous living, you know, there's drunkenness and who knows what and just, just, just bad guys to hang out with, really. But you're good guys. You, you understand me? Just good guys, but yet their ways if examined against the Word of God, we, we don't know, and I said that last week, we don't know how crooked our thoughts are until we measure our thoughts against the straightness of God's Word. We pick up their ways and their thoughts. See, if I hang out with a critical person long enough, I'll become critical too. If I hang out with a gossip long enough, I'll become a gossip too. I remember one of my aunties, she'd come and visit at our house because she had grown up there, so it was her parents' home, my, my grandparents' uh, home, and, uh, and just, just barely arrived in the door and she'd already have a story about somebody. She was a talebearer, just always gossiping about other people, just always talking about other people. Because back then I didn't know any different, but now like I've sort of seen God's thoughts, and I know what Proverbs says about gossip and what it talks about tail-bearing and the whisperer who separates the best of friends, the Bible says, God says, don't go anywhere near that, and don't go anywhere near those sorts of people. And put up a stain and say, look, let's not do that. Be the dominant influence in the relationship. See, if I hang out with an offended person long enough, I'll become offended too. How many of you have known that that's exactly what's happened where you picked up somebody's offense and you started to hate somebody in the same way as they hated them because uh, like just you get into their bubble and their bubble is just filled with venom. Their bubble is filled with poison. It's all toxic and it'll flow on into our lives if we spend time in their bubble long enough. Proverbs says, uh, 13 verse 20, the one who associates with wise grows wise but a companion of fools suffers harm. So what that means is if I hang out with the bad crowd, I'll become like them. But if I hang out with the good crowd, I become like them. It's a principle. In the Douay version, it says, in the latter part of this verse, it says, a friend of fools shall become like to them, or like unto them. So, in other words, we need to be careful who we pick in terms of people that we hang out with and what we are um, allowing to be input into our lives and, and, and so forth. There's a quote here from Edwin Lewis Cole. Edwin Lewis Cole, for those of you that don't know, we, we now talk about men's ministry. Edwin Lewis Cole is considered the father of men's ministry. Like He, he, he started men's ministry, ministry to men in churches, and he was the forerunner of everything that's happening now and has happened in terms of promise keepers and a lot of these other groupings and everything. Ed Cole was the man that started that. He was a forerunner. He was a man ahead of his time. Um, and he was known for, for his one-liners. He was known for just punchy sayings. And he had one saying here that uh, I heard years ago and it always remained with me. He says, there's only three methods of communication, word, gesture, and spirit. And what that means is that, uh, that uh, 
even as I am speaking to you, there is a gesturing. Uh, there are certain times of hand movement and facial expression uh, that will give give uh, meaning to what I'm saying. And furthermore, there's even a release of spirit going on right now. And uh, you see, by continually associating with people, we hear their words, which are actually their thoughts, verbalized, thoughts that are verbalized. We hear their words, we read their gestures, and we imbibe their spirit. And they Cole taught us that you hang out with certain people long enough, uh, there is an imbibing of the spirit that's on their life, and next minute it's in our life. It's basically just a different way of saying exactly what we've said right up to now. The word imbibe, uh, from a dictionary, it means to absorb or take into oneself as if by drinking. And sometimes the word imbibe is used in connection with drinking alcoholic beverages, and sometimes poets and people, writers, like to put those words together where they talk about, you know, the, the wine that was in the bottle, and now I've imbibed it, it's now in me. And, you know, in the same way, uh, there is something, there is a spirit in other people's lives, and by spending time with them and through osmosis just about, we have imbibed their spirit. Sometimes theologians use the same term, and when we say, let's get filled with the Spirit, they're using the term, let's imbibe the Spirit of God into our lives. Let's embrace and take on board and, and take that same Spirit away with us. That's what that word means. How do you imbibe the Spirit of God? Spend time with God. In, in, in a prayer meeting, each time when we've come away from a prayer meeting, because we are communicating with God, we are talking, we are listening, we are imbibing the Spirit of God. Uh, each time when we worship God, we draw near, we are imbibing the Spirit of God into our lives. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. Imbibe the Spirit of God into your life. But you see, hanging out with people, we imbibe their spirit. And I, I don't have no problem with imbibing the spirit of peaceful people, got no problem imbibing the spirit of positive people, people that are... that that are long-suffering, that are gentle and kind, but with angry people, I just have a bit of a, I don't want to bite nothing of this. With proud and arrogant people, I want to bite nothing of this. You see, I had pride and arrogance in my life, and, and I think I got it mostly out. By spending time with proud people, I could absolutely undo all the hard, it's taken me a lot of hard work, to get that rubbish out of my life, to only to spend time with the same people again in a relaxing sort of a way. As I say, you know, we're friends, we relax, we kick back, we talk, we banter and everything, have a bit of fun and everything, and suddenly I get that same spirit into my life again. No, 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 no. I've worked too hard to get it out. I don't want it in my life ever again. I'm pretty intolerant to certain types of, uh, of, uh, of uh, thoughts and ways that I just don't want them. We need to guard our heart with all diligence. With all diligence. I tell you, I've seen it again and again. I've just I've seen it over and over. And if you think about it, most of you will be able to testify to the same thing. I'm thinking of one guy, uh, just pretty good, uh, good uh, guy, you know, believer, and just seemed to be going strong. And uh, started to hang out with this one, with this one fella that was uh, at the front end of his Christianity and. Uh, you know, like, you know, it's all there, warts and all, just uh, a diamond, but uh, covered up with a lot of dirt, and a lot of chipping away that was needed there. And, uh, and you know, if it had been a mentoring-type relationship, I said, I'd have said, go for it, but it became a relaxing friendship. Hey, let's hang out, let's do stuff together, let's do this. And I saw that spirit of this one guy flowing into the other guy, and, and, and we shouldn't be surprised. That's exactly what the Bible tells us is going to happen. Second Corinthians chapter three verse six. For those of you that were waiting to get into the New Testament, here we are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching 
you receive from us. Now, what's going on here? I mean, aren't we allowed to fellowship with everybody? Evidently not. Evidently not. Because Paul is speaking to the Thessalonian believers. There was a group of people in that environment that were idle, that were disruptive. In fact, the Bible sometimes speaks about those that are busybodies. You know what a busybody is? It says busybodies in other people's matters. But sometimes it's good to say, mind your own business. But busybodies always mind everybody else's business. And so he says, keep away. Keep away. And there was also a group of people that, uh, that did not obey what Paul calls this epistle or this letter from me. And of course, nowadays, we say, well, we don't just obey Thessalonians. We don't just obey First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. We, we obey the whole New Testament. So if there's somebody outright determined, we're not talking about people that are at the front end of their Christianity and trying to learn and trying to get their life under control. We're not talking about those. We're talking about others that have come along the way and say, I will not do that. I know it's in the Word, but I just won't do it. Or they'll find some sort of a theological uh, uh, argument to, to, to exempt them from doing what the Word says. The Bible says, keep away from such people. And in, the, in one instance there, there were people that didn't work. Uh, they, were, they didn't work to earn their own money. We're not talking about people that were generally unemployed. We we're talking about people that did not want to work, that lived off of everybody else. Do you know the Bible says that we, if a man should not work, he should, he should not eat either. We should be able to get to a place where even if we were in an unemployed type scenario, that we're still productive, we're helping somebody, we're doing something, rather than sitting on our blessed assurance and waiting for government to look after us or for somebody else to look after us, because somehow there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody has to pay for it. Now we're not talking... Again, you've got to sort of cover your bases. We're not talking about people that are in a genuine, unfortunate situation where they're in between jobs. By the way, if you're unemployed, don't call yourself unemployed. You say, I'm in between jobs. Okay? I'm in between jobs right now. And try to, to keep that in between as short as what you can. Be active. Get, get into work. And, and, and if you can't find paid work, get into voluntary work. Do something to contribute towards society. Be a contributor rather than just a taker. We've got too many takers. We're doing, doing it right this morning. <laughs> so that's what was going on there. And Paul says, keep away. They're idle. They're disruptive. Well, what's a disruptive type of person? They don't know how to flow with the culture of what's existing. They're just bucket everything that just you know the Bible speaks of sheep and it speaks of goats <laughs> you know sheep just easily laid by 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 the sheep are happy come sharing time they skip and they're happy and God says I will not be shared I, I, I will give nobody my wool and they bucket everything you see and, and Paul says <laughs> those types of people keep away so somebody says, well, what, what if they're my friends? Well, you know, we all choose our friends. But you know what? My friends are those that help me to be a better person. That's who my friends are. I get into their bubble, and I come out again, and I'm still happy. And I haven't been dumped on, and I haven't had to deal with their criticalness, and I didn't have to deal with their gossips. I didn't have to, they weren't prying into my into my, into my personal matters beyond, you know, like prying and everything, being busy about this, then they help me to be a better person. They're my friends. In verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul goes on to say, As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Never tire. And as Peter pointed out this morning, the scripture in Galatians says, don't grow weary in doing well. 
for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Just watch the scoffers. Watch the scoffers. The very people that Peter read about in Malachi that say, oh, what's the point? Why, why, why are we tithing? What's the point? And, and, and you know, and on and on and on. And uh, in all reality, he says, never grow tired of doing good. Keep on doing the right thing. Sometimes you watch people's lives and suddenly they stop doing the right thing. And my question is, who have you been with? Who have you relaxed around? Whose bubble have you stepped into that suddenly you got contaminated and you now got that same virus? Take special note of anyone, verse 14, who does not obey the instructions in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. You know, sometimes, in order to be kind, we've got to just put our foot down and say, hey. As I talked about this one person, uh, um, a couple of people that Vanessa and I sort of associated with when we're in just early, early days of our Christianity, and just bouncing off, and I say, hey. Let's not speak like that. What are you doing in this church when you find nothing happy about it? Let's, let's not do that. Oh, okay, okay. You know, good people will respond to a warning and to an admonition. So, guard your heart with all diligence. At the front end of this year, Let's determine that uh, certain bubbles we're just not going to spend any time in. Certain people's lives we're just not going to get too close to let them dump on us. See, sometimes, and I've touched on that before, sometimes people undo any changes which God initiates in their lives by spending too much time with the wrong people. There's a great book that's been written by a minister whose name will come to me in just a moment. We just had him in, the, in South Africa at the conference that Vanessa and I had the privilege of attending. Some of you might know the man as soon as I mention his name. And the book that he wrote where he talked about right people, right time, right places. Or such like. It could be maybe right, right people, right time, or right place, whatever it is. Whatever. I don't know what comes first, but I know he mentions three things. Let's make a decision this year that we're going to spend time with the right people, be in the right place, be, be everywhere at the right time and keep on doing the right thing. Never tire in growing weary. Or, uh, never tire. Let me start again. That was all wrong. Mixing up two scriptures, that didn't come out right. Never grow tired in doing the right thing. Don't grow weary in doing well, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. This, Jason Franklin, absolutely it is. Thank you. Wow. Blessed by that man's ministry. It's hard to give up addictions when you're continually among addicts. It's hard to give up smoking when you're continually among smokers. I'm just using that as a general concept. I remember when I, Les and I used to smoke. In fact, I just talk about me. I used to just be a bad smoker, and uh, you know, then she gave up, and I carried on for a while, and I gave up shortly after that. But uh, you know, with some of my relatives, I said, "Why you give up? Give it away. It's killing you. Every one of those is like another nail in your coffin. You're going to die early. You're going to end up with some disease. It is now absolutely proven that smokers die early. Some people don't seem to care, but <laughs> that's what happens. Oh yeah." Yeah, yeah, I want to, but you know, we get together and have a couple of drinks, and, um, and then, you know, then, then I'll just have another fag. Well, don't have a, don't get together with some people. Don't have a couple of drinks and stay away from that. It's hard to give up drinking when you're continually among drinkers, and it's hard not to be critical when you're continually among critical people. Who are your friends? Who are the people 
Who are the people that you hang out with and that you relax with? I'm not saying that you now sort of go out there and slaughter half the people. I'm just saying, just be wise. Be wise. So I'm just a little busy at the moment. And I will be for the next few weeks. Just a little busy. <laughs> so if I ring you up, <laughs> you tell me that I'm busy, I'll get the message. I'll get the message. <laughs> Proverbs 28, verse 7. Practice God's law, get a reputation for wisdom, hang out with the loose crowd, and embarrass your family. It's, it's, it's th throughout Scripture. Hang out with the wrong loose crowd. Who, who are the loose crowd people? That's just, you know, just loose. And the thought here. It's the same thought in the scripture that we read before from Proverbs 22, verse 25. It says, don't hang out with angry people. And in chapter 13, verse 20, where it says, you know, you hang out with wise people, you become wise, hang out with fools, you become like them. The whole concept here is, lest you learn their ways and become like them. That's the thought here. But Proverbs, wow, Proverbs are really cool. 23 verse 19, he says, Listen, my son, be wise and give serious thought to the way that you live. Isn't that our main theme for at the beginning of the year? Thoughts and ways. Give serious thought to the way that you live. Verse 20 says, Don't associate with people who drink too much wine or stuff themselves with food. Drunkards and gluttons will be reduced to poverty. If all you do is eat and sleep, you will soon be wearing rags. Pretty strong, isn't it? Pretty plain. What's the word? On a social. If you learn their ways. The general concept here is it's God saying stay away from people who lack self-control. Stay away. People don't have self-control. Just watch it because their ways will become your ways. And uh, just, uh, you know, their virus become your virus. What's in them will get on you. You see, we can't choose our family. You're born into your family and that's how it is. We can choose how much time we spend with family, but we can't choose our family. Secondly, we can't easily choose our work colleagues. In fact, when I started my apprenticeship at age 15 and a half, it was a pretty toxic environment. My, 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 my boss, junior boss, kicked his mother. She lifted off the ground about this high. He literally kicked her. And like the family, it was a family business and I was working in that family business. And it was just... And then the, the father tried to strangle the mother. And there was screaming going on and us boys, like apprentices running around, what do we do now? Do we help or do we just let them go ahead and kill each other? It's just pretty toxic, really. It's just... Just... Unbelievable. <laughs> Some months into that, my mother, um, my mother found out about some of the goings on. She says, "Oh man, she says, oh, I think we should pull you out of that environment. This is not good." And she is right; it was not good. But you know, I, I worked for that family, but I never relaxed with that family. You work for somebody, you know, just when they want to put something off on you, just stiffen up a little bit. No, I'm not receiving anything here. <laughs> I want that spirit in my life. So we can't easily cho choose our work colleagues, but in some instances it may involve saying, hey, I think it's best for me to be out of here. I think it's just best for me to move on. This is not healthy. This is holding me back. I'm in amongst people who curse and swear, the God-haters, and they just, sometimes, but sometimes you've got to just... Uh, Buckle up and just pray and 
we just trust God for, for a breakthrough there. But as I say, you know, it, there's general principles there, but each situation needs to be judged on its own merits. The main point is we can't choose our family, we can't easily choose our work colleagues, but we can choose our friends. Okay, <laughs> that's the thought that I want to leave you with. We can choose our friends. Choose wisely, because at the beginning of the year, your friends and your associates will to quite an extent determine where you're going to be at the end of the year. Praise God. I don't know why it is. We, we're trying to get to Psalm 1 and we just don't seem to get there. We just Maybe we get there some other time. But I, I, was, to, I was just going to swing into that. and but let, me, let me just go there a little bit. Let's just go there a little bit. Okay? Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, not, don't let, don't let un, un, God-haters teach you about spiritual things. Just don't, don't, don't let them counsel you what you ought and ought not to be doing. Seek godly counsel. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, it's been pointed out by Bible teachers that there is a progression. There is a walking then there is a standing, and then there is a sitting down. Don't sit down in the seat of the scornful. Why not? Because you become scornful. The Bible speaks in the New Testament about scoffers. It speaks about those that says, oh, we've heard about, you know, for, for, for a long time about the coming of the Lord, and uh, all things are going to remain as they are. He will not come. Watch the scoffers. Now, this is a drastic example, but sometimes it's much more subtle like, oh, but you don't have to go to church every Sunday. Watch that crowd. Because that virus is going to get on you. Or oh, I'll only go if I'm rostered on. But if I'm not rostered on, I'm not going to be there. Watch that virus. It'll get on you. The very Sunday that you choose to miss is the very Sunday that the very answer is spoken through the preaching of the word that you need to get your breakthrough and you are somewhere else. And there is a holistic meal that's put before us of spiritual food Sunday after Sunday. And I've said this before, but we teach in series of messages of, say, four, sometimes three, four, sometimes five, sometimes six messages. Out of four messages, you miss two. You've already missed half the story. You, you, you've already missed half the story. Because God's trying to get something across to us. And you make no effort of catching up and you're always running around with half the story. <laughs> smile at the person next to you. Just smile. He's not angry. Just trying to encourage him. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's a delight to hear the preaching of the word. I, just, I, I can't get enough of it. I just love the word. And there's a bunch of stuff that I already know. I hear it again and I want to hear it again because I need to be reminded of it over and over and still learn new things. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also will not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. And by the time we get to the end of the year, we want to look back and say, wow, God's prospered us. We've just, you know, we choose fruit. We kept on doing the right thing. We kept on. We just said the right thing. We kept doing the right thing. We watched our thoughts. We watched our attitudes. We changed our actions. And absolutely, we can look back and say, it's been a good year. This is the beginning of 2014. Let's make the right decisions at the front end of it so we can absolutely determine where we're going to be at the end of it. God bless.